Please leave a message after the beep. Hey Nipun. Hey Varun, how's it going, bro? Good. How you have your video on today? <laughs> oh, I do. I don't know. I didn't realize that. Hang on. There we go. Cool. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. Just uh, going through the motion of waking up this morning, drinking some chai. Oh, nice. Yeah. You do that. Yeah, dude. I don't drink coffee. I'm Masala chai. chai. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I'm so doing. So much right fun. Oh, it's I, the best, dude. <laughs> I start my morning and then also in the evening with chai. I am morning and then in the afternoon around two to thirty, mm-hmm. I do chai. Nice. So that's my twice a day. And my morning one is like two tea bags. Like it's it's in that. Oh, okay. When I do regular chai, then obviously there's no ginger in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I add uh, tulsi also tulsi, adrak and ilaichi. Yeah, I've done no. elaichi. I haven't done tulsi in my chai. What is is that? Is that good? Yeah, especially for winters, I think it's pretty good. Too. Okay, like just like a couple of uh, little uh, just, leaves or tulsi. Yeah, just one leaf actually is enough. Oh, okay. All right. It That's easy. Helps avoid cold also. Yeah, man. I'm all. I always have like morning allergies and stuff. So like even right now, yeah. I'm sniffling because I have allergies. So. Uh, Excuse me. Is this your normal waking time? Waking up. I wake up about eight. Okay. I, uh, on on weekdays, I wake up about seven fifteen, but I sleep until about eight on the weekends. Okay. What about you? My normal time is around. Waking up time is seven. Yeah, during weekdays and. Weekends. It's usually later than this recently, yeah. but uh, it's not consistent. <laughs> no consistency. No consistency. And, and what what do you do again, Martin? I forgot. Uh, I am an engineer with this co- the company in Northern Virginia. It's called Alarm dot com. They do the okay. home security and automation products. You know, like okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. We are simply safe. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 And you are you are doing PhD, right? I'm finished with my PhD. Yeah. Oh yeah, I saw your uh, tweet with. The <laughs> yeah, with uh, the. You uh, said degree. you. Yeah, you said you managed to pay them. Hopefully, it looks yeah, real. Yeah, <laughs> took a lot of lot of lot of bribing. You know how it goes. Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's yeah. the next step after PhD? Just find the research. Yeah, so I'm right now I'm a postdoctoral researcher. So I'm working mm-hmm. in a in a lab that studies Alzheimer's disease and traumatic brain injury. Oh, nice! So that's what I'm doing. So the next step after this will be to get a permanent, like either either uh, industry level scientist position, sorry, scientist one level industry position, mm-hmm. or uh, assistant professor, whichever way I want to go. So. Oh, nice! Good luck. Yeah, man. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I'll need it. <laughs> Uh, okay. Anyways, uh, thanks for coming again for the second time. Of course, my pleasure. To, to thanks for having me on. Uh, so, not much is going on in football in the playing sense. There are transfer rumors, of course. So, uh, I think I just wanted to take this time to get to know your Manchester United fan history, or how did you start following football and stuff? Sure. So. So yeah, I guess we can start with the. When did you become a fan of football, or did you start with 
playing or watching on the t- television? Uh, I yeah, I played a little bit as a kid uh, growing up in India, mm-hmm. uh, but just a little bit. But most of the time, I was playing cricket with my friends. Uh, right. You know, as so you do. Yeah. as you do exactly. <laughs> football kind of came into my life in a, in a permanent way a little bit later. Like I, I had flirtations with football. I'd play like in school and stuff like that, but I wasn't really super into it. I was more into like hockey and, mm-hmm. and cricket and running. Um, and then uh, what I found along the way was uh, I was I was watching cricket one day. I was watching uh, highlights of Sachin Tendulkar. So this is in 2000. And, oh, okay. uh, again, as you do, especially. As you do. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, Sachin is 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 our god, right? So, yeah, I, I uh, actually stopped watching cricket when Sachin retired. I don't watch it that much these days. Maybe like championship. The, Exactly, I'm the same way. I watch like one or two games a year. Like I watch the India Pakistan final, which yeah. I shouldn't have watched, for example. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it just, it's also difficult to get cricket here, right? So like you'd have to pay for Willow or something like that. So, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, so in 2000, I was watching highlights of Sachin Tendulkar, and then um, I happened to flip the channel to what was then known as Star Sports. Yep. Um, John Dykes. I don't remember who was, who was doing commentary that day. Oh, uh, I, I mean, uh, so he was the John Dykes was the host of, or he's still the host of the football shows there. I, oh, that's right. I like him I a lot. Forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's he's terrific. Yeah. John Dykes is pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Continue. So yeah, so I switched. No, you're fine. I switched the channel, mm. and then uh, at the moment that I switched, uh, Ryan Giggs mm-hmm. struck a ball from the halfway line. Oh. which looped over David Seaman and hit the post and then Dwight York came in and scored. And that was the day United beat Arsenal 6-1. Oh. That was just that that audacity of Ryan Giggs's shot like from the halfway line it just blew me away because it wasn't an accident. Like he, yeah. It was on the, it, the ball bounced. He yeah. took one look up, saw David Seaman way off his line and just tried to chip him from halfway. I was like, oh, that is incredible. And at that time, to be honest, like there was some buzz in India about David Beckham, right? He was mm-hmm. this this mega star who was married to a Spice Girl. Yeah. Um, so people knew of him, and so I'd heard of Manchester United. Uh, and then from that day, seriously, like I've, I can probably count on my fingers, um, or, or sorry, on one hand, how many games I've missed, um, <laughs> like watching. Yeah. So I watch like I watch every preseason game. I watch every cup game. Like I watch every single game. So I'm uh, and and now it's to the point that I plan my life around Manchester United. And when I moved to the states in 2002, it actually became a little bit difficult to watch United. Mm-hmm. So I would I would uh, I mean I can say it now, <laughs> but I would like uh, use all these like low quality streams <laughs> that would like yep, same. Slow, that's exactly. the story of most people coming from. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, when I when I hear people now complaining about like the buffering being slow on like yeah. ES, ESPN three on while they're watching it on their phone in their car, yeah. I'm like, dude, you don't even know the half of it. <laughs> like, I don't I don't even want to know the number of viruses my computer got in 2003 because of those streaming sites. Like, <laughs> all yeah, the pop ups that came exactly. up. Exactly. <laughs> it was like a constant battle, right? There, there was this one site called Life Footy. Oh. com. <laughs> that shit was it was the go-to thing like it would have every game right but the problem was like as soon as you clicked on something there was a 1 in 10 chance that you had downloaded a virus <laughs> yeah, yeah. like a like 1 in 10 chance that you downloaded a virus that was going to shut down your computer immediately <laughs> so you were you were really rolling the dice but yeah. anyway that's, that's a long story short but uh, 
that's you know that's how I came into watching and following Man United. And since then, of course, I've as you since you follow me on Twitter, I, yeah. I, I do a lot of uh, discussion about lower division American soccer as well. Right. Yeah, and not a bad way to first watch Man U. Ryan Giggs is not a bad player to watch. If you starting. Yeah, he's a, he was pretty good, right? He, yeah. I heard he, I've heard about him. He's pretty decent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so 2000. That was 2002. You said 2000. 2000 mm-hmm. is when I started watching, and I moved to the states in 2002. Okay, or did and did you move as a undergraduate student? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So I moved here, did my undergrad here, did my masters here, and then just finished my PhD. And okay. Manchester United has been one of the the stalwarts and the one of the consistencies in, in an ever-changing life. Nice. And did you find, I'm, I'm sure you would have a, like fellow Manu fans from your university, from your college in U.S.? You know, it's an interesting question. Like, at first when I moved, there was like, no one was really watching soccer. Like, mm. there was no soccer on TV. The only time they would show games was like Champions League quarterfinals they were show on ESPN. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I saw the Man United Real Madrid uh, quarterfinal where, where Ronaldo scored a hat trick, oh. the famous one, right? Yeah. In 2003, I saw I saw that one, uh, and it was the first game that I saw, first soccer game I saw on TV live. So mm-hmm. it was like a year and a half later, but honestly, it, it was I didn't know a lot of soccer fans. I knew a hand, like a couple here and there. Uh, I knew a lot of people that played soccer, but I didn't know a lot of people that watched soccer, right. at least watched Premier League, um, and. So, but over time, like I think around 2006, 2007, I started finding more and more of a critical mass. The reason for that is by then Fox Sports Channel had come to mm-hmm. the States, had, as had Siddhartha Sports. And even though they were premium channels, like you had to pay extra for them, you were getting access to almost every Premier League game right. and almost every La Liga game and every Champions League game. So there was starting, to, and by the way, I should point, I've pointed this out to many, many people, but the crucial turning point was in the mid-2000s, the popularity of FIFA, the video game. Oh, I yeah. think that converted a lot of American fans into, American people into soccer fans mm-hmm. because of the game. Because the game, the, the soccer, the FIFA soccer game is one of the, I don't play a lot of video games, but my friend who, who plays a lot of video games has said that's one of the best games to play because it's so intuitive and there's there's so much to do and you can, you know, there's so much to learn and, and you know, playing right. multiplayer online is so much fun. So I think basically what I'm getting at is there is a, even though they won't admit it, there is a huge amount of people that started watching soccer because of the FIFA video game. So, right. yeah, have, so in, go ahead. I have a, like I, I discussed this with a friend of mine also, like there are two types of video game players, those who play FIFA and those who don't, like, they, exactly. <laughs> exactly, you're exactly yeah. right. Um, a, and there are, yeah. and there are, I would say, um, so, so in the mid 2000s, there was a mix of these things happening. But like, you had the increase of the FIFA. You had FIFA come in. You had the increase of the the availability of these games, hmm. and you had some very marketable stars in the Premier League that people started to resonate with, and including American stars. Right, Landon Donovan was right. going on loan. Tim Cahill. Tim Cahill. Tim Cahill not American. Not American. But, you know, he's, yeah, yeah, my he's Australian. Yeah. But, but, you know, Tim Howard, I think, maybe is who you're thinking oh, of. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jonathan <laughs> Spector went to Manchester United for a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, later on, like, um, uh, Clint Dempsey and so Brad Guzan. So a lot of these players, uh, Brad Friedel as well, a lot of these players started to go to America. Mm-hmm. A lot of them playing at Fulham, for example. So 
a lot of things were starting to happen that really increased the number of people watching Premier League and watching soccer stateside. Mm-hmm. And uh, so around 2006, 2007 is when I started finding a huge group of people that followed Benetton and followed Liverpool. So that's when, since then, it's been, you know, uh, now, now I see kids walking around with jerseys in the mall, which I never would have ever imagined when I moved to the States 15 years ago, that some five-year-old kid would be proudly wearing a Drogba jersey or wearing a, you know, yeah. a Cristiano Ronaldo jersey walking at the mall and his dad looked like as if he, as if he had just walked off the farm, you know, <laughs> literally someone, like yeah. a good old boy, you know, like yeah. wearing, literally wearing a Confederate flag <laughs> and his son is wearing, you know, a Drogba jersey, which is insane. <laughs> so yeah, it's the game has grown immensely and, and it's a really exciting time to be a soccer fan in America. Yeah, and I'm I'm guessing Manu was the club was the first club to be to have this global reach in US also or in overall in the whole world. So um, it's a it's, good point. The thing is, I I would disagree a little bit, and the reason for that is I think Man United had, did a fantastic job sequestering the market in India and mm-hmm. and then in Asia which is why they are way ahead of, like, so if you go back 20 years, Liverpool and Man United were completely at parity in terms of popularity. Mm. Now Man United has probably 10 times as many fans as Liverpool in the world. Yeah. And the reason is that they, Man United moved very quickly to sequester that the Asian market. Mm-hmm. However, in America, I think, I, I don't know the numbers, but my guess is there's a lot more parity. I think there's as many Man United supporters as Liverpool supporters and Chelsea supporters. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of Chelsea supporters. And the reason for that is simply when Man United... when, oh, when recent uh, success. Exactly. Yeah. If you think about it, yeah. when the game became popular here, Chelsea yeah. was it, right? 2004, yeah. they won the league. 2005, won, they won the league. 2006, they were runner-up. 2007, they won the league. So they won a Champions League along the way. Right. They've had some super marketable stars. So Chelsea, I think, has a huge market here. And then, of course, you have like losers like Arsenal and stuff. <laughs> so that's that's not worth mentioning. <laughs> Wait, what club? I never heard of them. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, true. So yeah, so 2000. So this was around 2006. Then you said. Yeah, nice. yeah. So 2006, I would say, is when things started to change. Mm-hmm. Um, recently, so so to keep going. So 2006, I I graduated undergrad. This shows how old I am, right? But I graduated <laughs> undergrad, my undergrad, and um, moved to Oklahoma City for a year. And soccer was strangely popular in Oklahoma City. Uh, then I came back to Indiana. And then around 2010, so 2010, I, 2009, I started grad school for my PhD. Oh, you, then, you did that? You went back to India after the graduation? Indiana, sorry, Indiana. Okay, Indiana, okay. Yeah, not India. Yeah. Um, okay. So I, I, around 2010, like I, I was, uh, mid-2010, I was starting to struggle a little bit in graduate school. Mm-hmm. And I needed to, needed hobbies, you know, my, my entire life was obsessed with the soccer uh, yeah. sorry with 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 work mm-hmm. so i needed hobbies and i i always loved science so i talked to a friend back home and we at first i did a little bit of uh, writing i wrote like maybe 15 articles articles total within one week and then i was like this is too much work <laughs> so then i decided that a podcast would be fun yeah and i reached out to a friend and we started a podcast that podcast went in different iterations but the podcast itself went from uh 2000 mid-2010 to early 2016. So, you know, we record over 250 episodes. 
we had like all the all the people that you know you know the uh, likes of Lawrence and all those guys Nico. who've all been Nico Lawrence Chris Hennage that's how I met a lot of these guys through right. that podcast you know I, we talked to like Tim Vickery we talked to oh, Tim, Rob, Robbie Busto like we talked to a, a, a Phil Shane we talked to a lot of people that I really really respect and yeah, I um, like Tim Vickery also I listened to this five live Oh, it's the best. That's yeah. the best soccer podcast out there in yeah. terms of if you want to learn about the global game. South America, especially, yeah. Yeah, Tim Vickery is all about South America, but Mina Rizuki yeah. talks about, you know, Italy. You'll have uh, John Durden talking about Asia. Like, it, it's it's incredible how much knowledge you can get if you just listen yeah. to that podcast every week. Yeah. How, how, did you, how did you come in contact with these people? <clears throat> For your podcast and stuff. Yeah, situation. Uh, yeah, I guess this is this is important to you, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's situational. Like in some cases, I was introduced to them via common or people I'd worked with. In the case of Lawrence and Chris, I actually worked with them on World Soccer Talk. Okay, um, I see. Then, um, so you guys started in the like the same time of. No, Lawrence and Chris were on uh, for a couple of years before I was. Okay. Maybe three years before I was. Mm-hmm. Um, in the case of Tim Vickery, I got his email. I oh, just man. emailed him, and that was it. I'd never talked to him before. He agreed to come on. It was, I was, I was so nervous to talk to him. Uh, I, I was nervous to talk to you. Nervous. <laughs> talk to me. That's funny. <laughs> I'm like the least nervous person. Yeah, least, I realized uh, that now. Person as well, but you know, it's a lot of these people. They they would. Like, uh, so, so let's use me as an example. Like anytime anyone asks me to do a podcast, I almost always say yes, because mm-hmm. I've been on the other side of it, right? Like, right. like when people, when you're starting a podcast, you know, no one and you're doing everything on your own and it's an uphill battle. Yeah. And maybe that's what you mean when you said you were nervous yeah. because, you know, th- that's just how it is. You, you feel like you're an uphill battle. So we've all been on the other side of it. So mm-hmm. we all want to pay it forward. And, you know, just the way Lawrence and, uh, and and uh, Chris and Karthik Krishnayar and all these people were gracious when I was starting out. Mm-hmm. And my responsibility, to, responsibility to do the same. Now that I am, you know, five six years past that beginning stage. So, <laughs> yeah. And and everyone, I've, almost everyone I've ever asked to be on the podcast uh, has yes. has said yes. Almost all, always. There have been a few exceptions. But in general, I, I think you'll find too, as you keep doing this more and more, yeah. that people want to help and people, I mean, it, you know, schedules get complicated and stuff, right, but the, yeah. the, the desire to help others out, especially in the soccer community, is pretty great because we're still a niche community stateside. So, mm-hmm. um, so the desire to help each other is, is pretty great. Yeah, it's the same as going to a new college. If you can find people who can mentor you, like your seniors. Exactly. Yeah, that's a very good analogy, actually. Yeah. Mm, okay then I guess the next question I had was who was or is your favorite menu player ever of all time of all time yeah yeah it's uh, um, you know I started Man United with because and with David Beckham right so he has a very very special place in my heart Um, it would be between Beckham Scholes uh, and Ruud van Nistelrooy oh no gigs Uh, Gigsy is, I mean, he's up there. Obviously, he's up there, right? Yeah. So, if, if it's if it's the my absolute favorite, it has to be one of those three guys. Gigs would be very close. Okay. Uh, Cantona, mm-hmm. uh, Rio Ferdinand, 
like uh, Patrice Evra. I okay. love that guy, <laughs> Patrice Evra. So there's so many players that I would say I, you know, I lo- absolutely love. Um, you know, some the Man United. We've been so lucky as Man United supporters to have watched such magnificent footballers and and in some cases just magnificent human beings as well play right. for this club. So. Uh, yeah, very lucky. But uh, but once again, what, just one player. If you had to pick one, oh, fuck. <laughs> uh, no I, getting I let, away. <laughs> okay, let me go with Bex. Okay. He, I mean, to be honest, like I, I still have a poster. I haven't put it up. Actually, I have a. I'm looking at it now. I have this uh, old like frame thing of uh, of the 1999 uh, treble thing. It has Beckham, Sir Alex, Nicky Butt. And Paul Scholes' photo on it, so oh, I actually nice. do have something of my backups up. I had a poster until last year, and then my girlfriend said, "This is kind of weird. Why do you have a poster of, of a man without a without a shirt on?" I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, I guess I'm 33. Maybe I should take this out now." <laughs> you should tweet that. No, uh, <laughs> I sh- I should tweet it, but uh, I don't want I don't want my girlfriend. I I always put my girlfriend on blast on Twitter because she doesn't have a Twitter, so I don't want to keep doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, so Beckham, you went and your best season ever uh, since you started watching, I guess. You know, most people will say 2008, right? Because yeah. the Champions League and the Premier League. Not for me. For me, it's 2006-2007 season. And the reason for that is when you put that season into historical context, it gives you an idea of what's the incredible achievements Sir Alex had. So... If you'll indulge me, I'll go off on this rant for a minute. Yeah, yeah. So 2004-5, 2005-6, United really struggled in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, That's when he won, Chelsea won the title back-to-back. Right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yep, exactly. In 2004-2005, I mean, both seasons were just, you know, United wasn't close at all. Mm-hmm. And at the start, so, so United was struggling. There were some fans who were beginning to ask if Sir Alex was past his prime. Because if you remember in 2002, he had reneged on his idea to retire and yeah. come back and sign. So, you know, Man United supporters, actual Man United supporters, not Arsenal supporters, Man United supporters were asking for Salix's head at that time. Mm-hmm. On top of that, um, Ruud van Nistelrooy had left the club uh, uh, before the start of the season. Yeah. And you're talking about a player that basically carried Man United, right, the previous right. two seasons, 30 goals, 35 goals. He was just a magnificent striker, yet he had left the club for Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. On top of that, you had the falling out between Cristiano and, and uh, Wayne Rooney. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we people were talking about... Exactly, yeah. the World Cup. So coming into the start of the season, Man United was in tatters. Man United looked like we were... You know, people were predicting Man United would finish fourth, fifth, outside the Champions League. We didn't have a recognized striker. I mean, we had Luis Saha, but, you know, that yeah. was about it. We had Alan Smith, but he had been injured. Mm-hmm. So... Um, and then we had like some rugrats like David Bellion and all these people so that didn't matter Um, we didn't do much in the transfer window that year we only bought Michael Carrick if I remember Mm. Uh, someone can correct me who's listening but I'm pretty sure in the summer we only bought Michael Carrick from Tottenham for like 16 million so uh, oh what a magnificent player he is man Jesus he's up there for me for one of the best yeah and I'll be honest, like I was, I was pretty nervous about the season starting too, because you had Liverpool who had signed like someone like uh, Fernando Torres, right? Who yeah. You from Atletico Madrid was a was a special special player. So I was pretty nervous. And then the first game, <clears throat> after all this stuff, United plays Fulham, smashes them five one, hmm. and it was 
amazing to watch. That game was amazing to watch. United played some such a magnificent football. Then you also remember that the likes of Nemanja Vidic and Patrice Evra came in in the in January window. They struggled uh, initially. We signed Henrik Larsson on an emergency loan. Yep, I yeah, and how he was amazing in the few games he played. Uh, we signed, um, um, who am I forgetting? That that same window we signed someone else. We beat Roma seven one. I mean that season. And by the way, the, we played a traditional four four two. I think it's the last season where Man United has played a traditional four four two in the in the last decade, and we were absolutely fantastic to watch. I mean. Wayne Rooney was playing super well. Cristiano Ronaldo, it was his breakout season, uh, you know, where he went from, and, you know, he went from being Nani to being Ronaldo, basically, yeah. is the yeah. best way I can describe it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was just on fire. And, he, you know, people talked about how he was going to fail it. Uh, he was booed in every game because of the, the yeah. World Cup thing. Mm-hmm. Just unbelievable talent, unbelievable ability. Um, and, and at the end of the season, I mean, Man United, and by the way, some other funny things happened, non-Man United related. Um, Mourinho left, yeah. <laughs> which is hilarious. Yeah. Uh, you know, not, a lot of other stuff. Not, it may be hilarious, so yeah, not good. <laughs> right, exactly. Have, yeah. yeah. Uh, Fabregas, is, uh, Fabregas was playing awesome. Rosicky was playing awesome for Arsenal. Uh, Andrea Schaben was Arshav- playing awesome oh, yeah. Exactly. Do so you remember the game a, when he scored four goals against oh Liverpool? Oh my god! I watched that game. I yeah. watched that game on my TV. I was like, yeah. "This guy is unbelievable." Yeah, and he was unbelievable that season. It's yeah. just after that, it was just never the same. Dropped off. Yeah. Dropped off, and then so so many things happened that season that just that make it such a special season for me. That four four two and Michael Carrick sitting next to Paul Scholes in midfield was just amazing Solid, to watch. Yeah. It was it was it was so they were so dominant and they controlled the game so well, especially when you consider that Michael Carrick, neither Michael Carrick or Paul Scholes can really put in a tackle. <laughs> uh, it is pretty amazing to think that they dominated midfields like Chelsea's with like the Essians of the yeah. day. Uh, just just an amazing season, and that's why it's my favorite. Mm, okay. Oh, and we we got to the the semifinal of the the Champions League, and you know. Um, Honestly, we, the reason we lost to AC Milan is because we basically did not have any of our defenders fit. Mm-hmm. We had a half-fit Wayne Rooney, and I guarantee that if that game had been played with like a Nemanja Vidic and a fully fit Wayne Rooney, we would have we would have won the return fixture and make it made, made it to the final. Maybe even won. So there was so much to enjoy in that season. Two thousand seven. Yeah, two thousand six, two thousand seven. Yeah. yeah. 2000, yeah, you talked about 2008 also. Wasn't it Chelsea that you beat in the... Mm-hmm. <laughs> on on penalties. John Terry yep. slipped. Yep, it was... Uh, that's exactly right. It was Avram Grant was the manager of Chelsea then. John Terry slipped. <laughs> uh, just a, That was also an amazing season. I honestly felt that... And this is forgotten in the history. But honestly, our attacking play in the 2006-2007 season was better than the Champions League winning season. Mm-hmm. The Champions League win- winning season was one on the back of some fantastic defending. Uh, we came into the start of that season with with Carlos Tevez playing up top, Park Ji Sung playing behind Wayne Rooney, yeah. and Cristiano Ronaldo just tearing it up. But Ronaldo started the season with a serious ankle injury that year. Mm-hmm. Um, he was out for the first few games. 
and you know, I'll be honest. Like we won that. If you go through and see, we scored. We won so many games. Won nothing that season because it was we weren't very good at attacking wise. Uh, but we were just getting the results mostly because of the brilliance of Tevez and Ronaldo and Rooney uh, and and occasionally Nani and Owen Hargreaves. Um, but in general, our attacking play in that 06-07 season far exceeded our attacking play in that 08, uh, 07-08 Champions League winning season. And you reached the FA Cup final. I'm just looking at the stats. On yeah, we lost in the final to yeah. Chelsea. Mm-hmm. That was a mm-hmm. frustrating day too. <laughs> like we, we were better for majority of that game, and then yeah. just threw it away, in my opinion. So, <laughs> but you know, we'll take it a double and. Yeah, these stats are pretty good. Reaching Champions League semi-finals, exactly. FA Cup final, the Premier League champions. Yeah, um, pretty good. Pretty good season. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, okay, then I think to just reaching the final few questions. I think the only question I had now was how do you gauge? How do you? measure your transfer business this season and your, what are your expectations for next season then from Jose Mourinho's team you signed Victor Lindelof I think so yeah. far mm-hmm. yeah we signed Lindelof which is uh, he's a good defender um, we'll see how he adjusts to the Premier League it might take him a little bit I mean everything I saw of him at Benfica he's, he's a very good young defender and on paper you know, if you were playing championship manager, this is a fantastic partnership. Lindelof with Eric Bailly. Eric Bailly, who's kind of the rash one, who's going to go yeah. into tackles. He's the Nemanja Vidic. But <laughs> Lindelof is the more organized and more uh, calm and, you know, rarely goes into uh, 50-50 balls because he's read the game much better before that. So he's the Rio Ferdinand. Mm-hmm. So on paper, you know, th- this is a fantastic partnership, but on paper means very little in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, you know, we've had some. We've, there's been a lot of rumors. There was a rumor started with Griezmann, which obviously is not happening anymore. Um, Perisic, the Inter Milan player. I'm not sure that's a good signing at 28 years. Yeah, old. I was surprised to hear that rumor. I mean, didn't make yeah. a lot of sense going forward. I'm with you on that. Yeah. Totally with you. Same with the rumors for uh, Matic and Nangolan. Yeah, yeah. To, you know, late twenties. It's Matic. good for us. We'll be getting if he signs like forty million pounds or something. Jesus but Christ! You guys will have come, <laughs> gone off really well. I mean, and especially when you consider that Chelsea is ending up with Bakayoko, yeah. who I would much, much rather have over Matic. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Chelsea is getting the better end of the deal in multiple ways. Yeah. Um. um so that's that's kind of strange for me. Um. I would be very happy, by the way, if we do sign uh, um, Morata. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know. I think he's a very good player, and I think he's a Manchester United player. I'm not sure about Hamas Rodriguez. I don't think. I think he's past his prime already, which is crazy to say because he's 24. Yeah. Uh, and he I'm also big, doesn't seem Mourinho like like he, he doesn't right? go back defending. I don't know how that rumor. It yeah, it makes no sense. Like a lot of these rumors make no sense. Um, which is why they're called rumors. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Which is why it's silly season, right? Um, but you know, what was heartbreaking for me was to hear that Wesley Schneider is finally not going to sign with Bandit United. I mean, oh, I mean, LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, for so long. <laughs> I know since like 2000, since the 2010 season, we've been linked with Schneider every single summer, and uh, it, I just thought it's funny that he's going to end up at LAFC. Um, 
I don't know. I, I, I'm I'm torn. Like I, I don't know what to expect next season. We we haven't signed anyone that, in my opinion, has moved the needle significantly. I think we need an actual holding midfielder and not Matic. Yeah. Uh, I think so. I, I, by the way, if we sign Fabinho, I'm happy. That, that's great. That works for me. Um, we need a striker. Mm-hmm. We need to move Wayne Rooney on. We need to move uh, a couple of other players on, in my opinion. Uh, and we, ideally. We retain Martial because I am worried that he will leave. Uh, I think he's a magnificent talent. So it's too hard to predict what's going to happen because it's just July. You know, players are going to show up for preseason. I think this week it's July second. I think July eighth is when they get back for preseason training. Mm-hmm. So you know, we'll see. We'll see how things go. As you know, and you know, since you follow this game closely, Warren, yeah. um, between early July and August. Things change so quickly. Yep. And, you know, the season starts and you, you still don't know what your team is because someone might be leaving in, in a week or so, or someone might be coming in, in the case of Pogba last year. So, um, this last gonna, day hustle going on. Yeah, seriously. Signings. <laughs> Sanford, window. Uh, you know, you have legends like uh, Torres signing for Chelsea in the window and <laughs> legends like. Uh, Andy Carroll signing for uh, Liverpool at the same time so you know a lot of fun things can happen on the last day of transfer windows <laughs> <laughs> legends did you see how I, how yeah. I stuck that the jab in subtly <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> oh yeah so yeah Fabinho I was reading Fabinho could be a good signing for you I was yeah. just reading this goal.com like PSG are also in the hunt for him Mm-hmm. So far, he's I think a special player. he is. Yeah, all of that that Monaco team is really good, and I yeah. I'm sad for them that they're losing so many players now. Unfortunately, dude. Unfortunately, you shouldn't feel sad for them because this is what they want. This has become the mm-hmm. Monaco model of selling players on for massive fees and then recouping. And they've become a wheeler and dealer in, in that sense you know they've become the Southampton of Europe except they're producing a talent at a much higher level than Southampton yeah. right Killian Mbappe for example yeah. what, a, what a player dude what yeah. a player we are, I mean you're talking about a player and and like it's crazy to think about right like when I was when I was younger like when you when Real Madrid signed Figo for 45 million mm-hmm. it was like oh my god that's ridiculous and they signed Zidane for 54 million yeah. and people were like oh my god that's way too much money it's like half a it's almost 100 million half of 100 million <laughs> and now you're talking about 100 million for a player that has had one season years. yes he's yeah exactly he's 18 he's had one season versus Zidane who had won World Cup Champions League with Juventus he had won everything in the game and 54 million sounded like a huge amount and now we're talking about and, and you know United is no, no better we signed Martial who had done basically less than Mbappe for 64 million yeah. right so uh, and that's two years ago so, and you know it's it's just crazy the, the amount the money being branded about <laughs> I don't know if you caught this Garbage, but there was a rumor again of Ronaldo to United a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. And they were talking about twenty, two hundred and forty million. I, I, like, I, yeah, about, it was never yeah. going to happen. <laughs> Imagine that, dude! You're talking about trading a player for a quarter of a billion dollars. <laughs> billion, not million, billion. That's insane. That's insane. I don't know how long this will last, though. I mean, if it will negatively affect the, you know, so much money being thrown around. And it's uneven also. It's not like, so this player is this much amount of money, so this player has to be this Exactly. M- it's like... It's a, 
it's a fantastic conversation, Varun, because like people who follow the game have followed the game in longer cycles than you and I have. Yeah, have been warning this about this for a long time, and I think it's coming into being now mm. because basically what's happened is that the that the traditional clubs that developed players are slowing down that production, and all the development is coming from quote unquote non-traditional big clubs right mm-hmm. so Man United if, uh, if I'm looking at my own club for example I mean how many starters has Man United produced in the last 10 years I yep. can talk about three, maybe 5 right maybe Danny Welbeck goes Rashford. into that picture yeah. Rashford obviously uh, you have someone like Fosu Mensah yes, like, Fosu is not there yet he's not yeah, there yet yeah, true, uh, yeah, in defence maybe you had like Johnny Evans uh, maybe you had someone like uh, uh, Michael Keane, who's now doing well at Burnley, but he couldn't make it Man United. Yeah. So Man United has not really produced significant. I mean, you, you've had lots of players play for Man United. You know, you had Darren Gibson play one season. You had Tom Cleverley play, but I'm talking about like top level talent. Man United has not produced top level talent in a long time consistently. Yeah. Same. Same with Liverpool. I would and argue. Arsenal. I mean, Arsenal as well. So. I- yeah, so yeah, I, I was just saying, like, even they have not put like, from actual players from the youth academy. They signed players from Southampton's youth team, or right. you know, exactly. Joe Walcott, Alex Oxlade Chamberlain. They were, Chamberlain? Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, Oxlade Chamberlain. Yeah, um, yeah. Oxlade was he from yeah, Southampton's exactly. youth academy? Also, Ox was from Southampton. Pretty sure I'll have to double check, but I, I'm 99 percent certain that he's also Southampton. But yeah, that's um, the. Point, yeah, so like their own youth academy, even Chelsea now. Well, Chelsea, forget about it. you guys haven't produced a player in yeah. like in like God knows how long. And, and we have are. like our youth academy is consistently consistently does so well in the FA Cup or the the European. Right. I don't know exactly. And that's the other problem I have with Chelsea. Also, I don't know how long this business model we have will last because sooner the time will come when players will not want to join. The young players will not want to join Chelsea. Because they would exactly. not get opportunities in the first team. You're exactly right. So these things go in cycles, and I think we're getting to that end of that cycle where, where you because ha- I mean, again, looking at Man United, why didn't Aaron Ramsey sign for Man United when everything had been agreed? It was because he felt that at Arsenal he would get a much better chance of playing yeah. first team football, right? So these things go in cycles, and that's why Monaco is producing talent because those. Players can those players get a full season. That's why Benfica is producing talent because those players get full season. Mm-hmm. So whereas at Man United, Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, Real Madrid, with a couple of uh, exceptions, you know, Casemiro being one. In general, you know, it's all talent that's bought, and yeah. it's unfortunate. And uh, it will end at some point. It'll probably end when some of uh, it, it'll end with in a financial issue mm-hmm. like uh, in the sense that some corruption scandal or something uh, is going to fall apart and that will lead to the basically the denigration and, and, and the destruction of this crazy financial model and you'll <laughs> but it's not going to happen for like next 10 years I think we're still stuck you know in the 150 100 200 million crazy stuff going on yeah and as long as like, uh, some people's club keeps winning the thing is the people forget these so if they keep exactly. winning trophies they would not think about this a lot but then for the future you have to think I think the the model is not sustainable 100% agree with you I don't think there are enough people that look at their own clubs critically when mm-hmm. things are going well 
I think everyone is very critical of the club when things are going badly, yeah. but not enough people are critical when things are going well. Yeah. Mm, yeah, that that's a com- completely different podcast. We could talk a long time. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> well, yeah, I think to summarize, we can. I uh, just wanted to talk about the transfers for other clubs around Europe as well. Sure. Which one do you think? Which club has been the most successful? or uh, has done the best business so far to me like it's mostly the low mid level or low level clubs like everton's business has been yeah. pretty good if you if you don't look at the price like pickford, pickford is a good signing for them i think and devi classen from ix yeah and so yeah city of course has done good business but what according to you who has done the I mean, so far it's pretty early, right? It's pretty early, but I would say I would say City's up there. Um, I think Monaco has done fantastic business so far with <laughs> with, uh, with selling a couple of players, and and they're on the cusp of selling maybe three more. And they and signed Telemans also, right? I've never T- seen Telemans. Yeah, Tillemans. yeah. The the uh, Feyenoord player was he? Mm-hmm. Feyenoord or uh, yeah, Anderlecht. He was Anderlecht, right? Let me see quickly. I think he played for Man- against Man United in uh, in the Europa League. Um, pretty sure it was on the leg, but I'm, I kind of or maybe Ajax. Mm. It was on the leg. Yeah, you're right. It was on the leg. Yeah, yeah. I remember him playing uh, against Man United. I think it was quarterfinal, and he was very good in uh, in midfield. If I remember, I think he played behind the striker in like a number. Okay. Uh, as an attacking midfielder and he, he was very good I thought so he could um, take Bernardo Silva's place or Silva's place exactly that's what, mm-hmm. what I was going to say okay uh, so yeah they've done some good business uh, Monaco has um, I think at the end of the day it's going to be interesting when at this time next month is mm-hmm. when we really have an idea because by then a, a majority oh, well actually not majority but a significant amount of transfer business will have taken place Preseason will have started, and you'll get to see how some of these players are fitting in. Mm-hmm. Too early right now, but I would say honestly, in my opinion, Monaco has done the best business so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, and wasn't it one of? I I cannot remember, but was it Benfica or some some club who has signed a lot of players? Like, uh, I have to look into that. Never mind. Bournemouth also look like they have. Uh, Strength and they they got RK from Chelsea, which I'm yeah. not happy with. Yeah, I mean Burnmouth. You cannot say enough about Burnmouth, right? Yeah, here's a club that is has moved up the ladder so quickly, so quickly. It often ends in tears. Yeah, they retain the manager. They have a super uh, well uh, balanced owner. Uh, unlike Chelsea, uh, and they have. I'm just kidding. That's, that's our business. Uh, that's our uh, model again. Yeah, just keep changing managers. <laughs> yeah, it works, man. For yeah. you guys in Real Madrid, for you guys in Real Madrid, works. It doesn't work for anyone else. Um, I think with with Bournemouth, I keep telling my friends in Indianapolis this. So my we support a team called Indy Eleven here. It's in the okay. Division Two of American Soccer. Okay, mm-hmm. our stadium, which is a garbage stadium, holds. 10,000 people mm-hmm. is capacity. <laughs> Burnmouth capacity stadium is 11,000. So imagine yeah. having the likes of, you know, 
your your well, I was gonna say Lampard, but no one gives a shit about Lampard anymore. Uh, what? Like, hey, come know, on! <laughs> I'm totally kidding. I'm just being a dick now. But you know, you have Man United and Chelsea and Arsenal, and Liverpool coming to your stadium every week, and it is a stadium the size of my Indy Eleven, mm-hmm. and it is amazing to to put that in context that a, a team in the Premier League a team in the Premier League that is successful that plays really attacking football in Burnmouth yeah. has a stadium the size that my Division 2 team in America plays in and it's amazing when you put that in context and Burnmouth is such a success story such a success story and I have nothing but love for Eddie Howe and um, I think his ability to sign good attacking players and he gets some of them wrong right last season he signed uh, the what was that guy's name uh, the Paraguayan player oh. his name escapes me but he but he struggled and everyone thought he would do well so he gets some of these signings wrong but in general his signing of attacking players is fantastic and his ability to constantly play attacking football against the top level is fantastic so Burnmouth is definitely one of my favorite teams in the league yeah and the only signing I'm seeing I'm not convinced with was uh, is the Defo signing you don't think so man dude that guy is I have respect for him he's a good striker but I think at at his age now and especially with Bournemouth they they like from what I knew they like to get young players yeah but you also need some experience and, and you need leaders in the team and at the end of the day, you're talking about Fernando, uh, Fernando Defoe. Jesus Christ, Jermaine <laughs> Defoe. <laughs> Fernando Defoe. Uh, Jermaine Defoe, who has basically played everywhere, and mm-hmm. he's played, you know, America as well. He played for uh, Toronto um, when he signed, and then he was swapped with uh, Josie Altidore. I mean, this guy has so much experience, and everywhere he goes, he scores goals. Yes, he's 34. Yes, he has some tires, sorry, some miles on his tires, right? Mm -hmm. I think he's probably played over 500 games. I'm looking at it now, 535 games in his career. But truth is, look at his injury record, right? Uh, Sorry, look at his scoring record. I'm going to read something, some off to you, get ready. Mm -hmm. So from 2013, uh, from 2012, 34 games, 11 goals. 2013-14, he only played 14 games because he went to Major League Soccer and MLS, he scored 11 goals in 19 games. 2014-15 was a bad season. He was injured, uh, scored four goals in 17 games. Next two seasons, 15 goals. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about at Sunderland, you're talking about Sunderland. He scored 15 goals. You're talking about a team that was on the brink of relegation for basically all three seasons that he was there, yeah. and he still managed to score 34 goals for them. <laughs> that is an incredible record if you think about it, uh, and it gives you an idea of a player that is able to turn it on when he needs to and he will give you goals he might go missing in some games but remember that for teams like Burnmouth and teams like Sunderland it's the it's the it's the few goals here and there that changes your position from being 18th to 17th or 12th to 10th and a player like Defoe will guarantee those goals yeah that's true but I I, I still think like with a team like Bournemouth I think they they have enough talent or elsewhere on the field also with last season we saw Josh King doing pretty well sure. in that role like maybe they should, could have just but to be but yeah. to be honest 
to be honest, Jermaine Defoe is an, and I love Josh King, right? He's a Man United youth product. But <laughs> yeah. he, Jermaine Defoe is a significant upgrade on Josh King. Mm-hmm. He will give you a lot more than Joshua King will. And Joshua King is very injury prone as well, which is another problem with him. Yeah. There are other players there. There's no doubt about it. Benning Afobi, who signed from Norwich, I think it was, mm-hmm. or uh, Wolves, maybe. I forget where he signed from. Max Gradle is there. Harry Arder. There, there are players there that will give you goals. But I'm telling you now, no one in that team is going to score more goals than Jermaine Defoe this season. Yeah, yeah, that is true. Yeah, but they, they shouldn't they at least go uh, go for a younger, proven striker as well? Not uh, if you don't, if you want Josh King to be like, if you have injury issues, like you said mm-hmm. with Josh King, then uh, yeah. maybe find a different striker who is younger. Like if you see. Leicester City, I think, is going for Ianacho. Maybe Bournemouth could have. It's not. They seem to have the same amount of. I, I'm not sure. Maybe the fund, the funds. Yeah. So. Yeah, Ianacho is an interesting one. Um, the, the here's the thing. Maybe, maybe the only place we're disagreeing on is that I think a team like Bournemouth needs some guarantees, mm-hmm. and Jermaine Defoe gives you guarantees. Yeah, that's well, true. Could Ianacho score 20 goals in a season? Could he score 25 goals? Yes, he's that talented. Yeah. But we don't. I think that the issue with Jermaine is, or as I call it, Fernando Defoe, <laughs> uh, is that he will give you 15 to 20 goals. And you can pretty much mark those down, unless he gets injured, which, you know, he has a pretty decent injury record, so it shouldn't be an issue. Um, or decent non-injury record, yeah. <laughs> right, is what I meant. Yeah, he stays, he stays fit. <laughs> so what he gives you is guaranteed goals whereas Ignacio gives you promise and yeah. I think there's a lot of players in that in Burma team that have promise and Defoe is a different kind of player he gives you leadership gives you experience so I think it's a fantastic signing mm-hmm. by Burma mm-hmm. oh yeah I, I got the name of the player you were saying was it Iturbe one? Iturbe yeah exactly yeah. one Iturbe yeah. thank you yeah mm-hmm. but is he Paraguayan? yeah okay yeah the, the same guy yeah they signed him uh, at the start of the season and I was doing. I was hosting World Soccer Talk then, and I honestly I had seen Juan Interbe play a lot for Roma. I want to say, um, yeah, I think he, it was. It says he played on loan for Torino from Roma. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I, I saw him play for Roma in, in uh, a couple of years ago, and thought he was very good. I mean, he wasn't someone that was getting a lot of goals back then mm-hmm. but he was linking up the play really well and I felt that he would be perfect for, for Joshua King mm-hmm. but just I don't think he fit in into the locker room in Burnmouth from everything I heard mm-hmm. um, and he only made like I think one appearance for Burnmouth and then he was gone alone again so um, I thought that could have been a good signing but yet again it was you know he was signed on promise because he was only 22 at the time yeah. and that's the risk you take again with Ian Acho fantastic yeah. talent but you're yeah but you're signing promise. Whereas with Defoe, you're literally signing goals. Yep. Same thing happened with Jordan Ibe also, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think, I don't know what happened to him. Was he, maybe he was injured last season. Jordan uh, Ibe was so good when he started with Liverpool. He yeah. was playing as a as a, a wing back mm-hmm. uh, for, for uh, what's his face, Rodgers right. and then and Klopp as well. And I really thought that Ibe would make it under Klopp. But you remember that, you remember that video, right, of, uh, Klopp running towards Ibe saying Ibe and giving him a big <laughs> big hug and amazingly he was gone three weeks later so Randy that, that hug he was whispering in his ear yeah. I'm selling you yes. so, uh, but yeah I think Ibe is very talented um, 
he, he wears a legendary number. That 33 number is legendary because at Man United, the great Bebe wore that uh, number. So <laughs> Bebe and Ibe, both, uh, both <laughs> legends of our clubs at 33. Names ending with an E. With a B-E, actually. B-E, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. yeah, so I think we are done. Oh, I would like to mention Bayern also. I think they had pretty good transfer oh, yeah. so far also. They signed Toliso. Komen was made the permanent deal. Sebastian Rudy, Ganabri, Sule. So, yeah. Bayern yeah. is something else, man. Yeah. Bayern is something else. They are just... I mean, every time there's a good player in Bundesliga, they sign him. Yep. And it started like, you know, in, in 2000 when they signed uh, Michael Ballack. I mean, my, imagine this. The Champions League final was Bayern versus Bayern, or maybe a semifinal, I don't remember, was Bayern versus Bayern Leverkusen. And in that game, it was already known that Michael Ballack was signing for <laughs> Bayern Munich. Can you imagine the kind of mindfuckery these guys do, like Bayern does? They announced, I want to, I might have this wrong and someone can fact check me. I want to say a month before the game, they announced that deal. And they did it purposely because they knew they were going to play Bayern Leverkusen. <laughs> I mean, can you believe that shit? That, that's the kind of stuff they do. And they've signed every good player in Bundesliga ever since. From from Whatever the rival club is, whether it's Deportivo, uh, I was going to hit that with La Corina in Spain, but like Bayern Leverkusen, whether it's um, um, Borussia Dortmund, whether it's uh, Werder Bremen, you know, as soon as there's a good player, yeah. they'll snap him up. As soon as a team starts to rise in Bundesliga, they just take all their players. Like Hoffenheim had the best, or one yeah. of the best defense last season, and then they took their <laughs> defenders. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> that's what they do. <laughs> Bayern Munich. Yeah, it will be interesting to see, as you said, in a month's time, all the deals. I'm hoping we yeah. sign Bakayoko. It's been a long time now. Every day I hear, okay, he's in London for the medical. <laughs> he's trying. He cannot wait to try on the Chelsea shirt. I don't know when he's going to try that out. <laughs> he's, he's actually in the Chelsea bathroom as we speak. Yeah, and he's like this Instagram post from Michi Bachoi. <laughs> How funny is that stuff, yeah. dude? I, I crack up with that. Yeah. Like with with Man United right now, it's uh, I think so. I started in the Indianapolis Manchester United group, mm-hmm. and like everyone will talk about. Oh, did you see that uh, Morata's wife followed Man United on Twitter? <laughs> like shit, like that. I'm like, who gives a shit? Like who cares about this? <laughs> well, and why do you guys know this? That's the big question. Like, yeah, why are you guys talking the profiles? Right? <laughs> it's so weird, man. It's so weird to me. So I just find it funny. Ah, <laughs> hmm. uh, yeah. I guess that's all. Uh, thanks for giving me your giving your history about Manu and your footballing history. No, thank um, you. It's really fun to talk talk to you, and I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for joining. I think I, if I, you are in New York, right? Indianapolis. Indian. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Indianapolis. If I'm ever there, we, I can. We can probably do a pickup soccer game. <laughs> oh, one hundred percent, dude. I always play soccer. We can. Uh, mm-hmm. Anytime you're here, we can grab coffee and yeah, and meet up. You do you travel to this area? Have you been to Virginia before? I have been to the closest I've been is DC. Mm, okay, um, yeah, DC is not. And I'll, I'll be in DC in November for a conference. Oh, nice! Um, for the yeah. for your medical conference. Yes, yeah, like Society for Neuroscience Conference is the biggest okay. neuroscience conference in. Like yeah, maybe 30, if you people. get. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, if you get time, maybe you can meet. Yeah, I would love that. We can definitely make that happen. I'll be there for six days from like Friday through the following Wednesday. So nice. Yeah, let's, cool. Let's, let's do it. Any plans It's for my pleasure? Rest of the day. I have another podcast to do in an hour, so I'm gonna run some errands and then I'm gonna uh, take my dog and my girlfriend's dog um, for a walk. Uh, we're gonna go on one of the trails here in Indianapolis. Maybe watch some soccer this evening. Um, what about you? Yeah, I think I'll just watch the highlights for for this. Uh, you know, I haven't followed the Confed Cup a lot this this year. Has it been? Has it been good? I mean, I just watched the score line so far. I watched the Chile uh, Portugal game. That was a boring game to watch. Yeah. <laughs> so, That's... but I'll I'll watch the final. I think Chile and Germany sound. Germany's B team looks really good. <laughs> It's the B team, team. I mean, yeah. every team for Germany looks good. Yep. <laughs> Teams, I think I am excited to watch in the next World Cup: Germany and France. The cool man. Thanks All again. All right, bro. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for having yeah. me on. Enjoy the Fourth of July extended week. Yeah, you too, bro. <laughs> yeah. Talk soon. Yeah. See you. Okay. Bye. Bye. And that's all for today's podcast. I'll see you guys next time. Please remember to follow us on Twitter at Two Substitutes. Same on Facebook, and we are on iTunes and Overcast as well. And please don't forget to give a review. I'll leave the link on the description page of the podcast. See you guys. Thanks for listening.